This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Visit them at milwaukeeadmirals.com. Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The fan, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer with you. AR Adam Roberts, other side of the glass, hanging out with you here on a Monday, steamy and hot Monday. Gary and I have the uh, Mets and Marlins game on here in the studio, and Gary's like, hey, rewind that in the commercial break. So we rewind and went back, and it's a poor mother struggling with three children, a little girl and two boys in Mets uniforms, or Mets jerseys, trying to eat ice cream, in which I'm guessing is a super hot uh, field in New York, uh, and the, the ice cream is melting all over. The kids got ice cream all over their their Mets jerseys. She's trying to feed the baby girl on top of it. What a mess! Welcome to parenthood. There you go. You always wanted to be a parent. That's what it looks like, right there. Right, it gives you appreciation uh, for all those parents out there. Um, so coming up on today's show, college basketball news is uh, Chris Monter uh, will join us coming up here in about fifteen minutes. Looking forward to talking about the NBA draft with him. It's, it's, it's this week. It's Thursday. Uh, and we have not really talked about the NBA draft much at all. I've done it maybe once or twice on Madness. Other than that, not much. Bucks do have a first-round pick this year, uh, so I'm sure we'll get into it more on the big show as we get closer to the draft on Thursday. But I want to kind of get Monter's thoughts on what's going on at the top of the draft, first off and foremost, with John Hammond, uh, because it sounds like uh, they don't have their mind made up in Orlando right now as far as what they're doing at one. Now, this may be a deal where they're playing possum, um, to try and get somebody to make an offer they can't refuse to let them go up and get number one overall. Very well could be. Uh, I forgot who I brought it up with. I don't know if it was on the radio or not. Good Lord, my memory's going. 
Um, but we brought up talking about the Golden State Warriors. And if if you start talking about what the Warriors could do here, right? They win a title. Now, what if Golden State said, hey, look, we'll give you Kaminga, Wiseman, our first round pick, whatever, something else, uh, for the number one overall pick uh, in the NBA draft. So you're going to get two stud young players that you have team control over, plus a first round pick to go along with it, and we get one. And then imagine they take like a Holmgren uh, at one, a shooter, outside shooter that's long and athletic to play with uh, Draymond, Clay, Steph, and those guys, and Wiggins. I mean, maybe you throw Jordan Poole. Uh, well, Jordan Poole is going to have to be signed to a new deal. So Jordan Poole can't be in the deal unless it's can't even do a sign and trade at this point. So I'm not sure how that would work. But Kaminga can definitely be traded. Uh, Wiseman can definitely be traded. They got a lot of young guys that they can move to try and go get one stud up at one or two or three or whatever. Now, will they do that? I have no idea. Probably not. I'm guessing they, they won't do that. That's very unbecoming of a champion trying to go take the top kid in the draft. But I think they've got enough firepower to make it entertaining to teams at the top of the draft. So we don't know really what Orlando is going to do. Uh, Jabari Smith, Holmgren, Paolo's up there in that top three uh, as well. And then after you get past three, then it becomes a crapshoot as far as how the rest of the first round is going to play out, as far as who goes four, who goes five, who goes six. You got a kid in Shane Sharp uh, who didn't play at all uh, at Kentucky, uh, but was regarded as like the top kid coming out of that draft class. Uh, and he just came out. I don't know if you saw Shane Sharp's comments the other day. He came out over the weekend and said he plans on, uh, you know, winning Rookie of the Year, uh, being an MVP, and being in the Hall of Fame. That's what he said. Kid hadn't played a summer league game yet, um, and he's talking about that. Now, is it negative? I don't think it's negative. I think it's it's positive, whatever. But as somebody that's old enough to remember Terrell Buckley coming in, running his mouth about being the next Jim Thorpe and all this other nonsense, fans will not forget this. So you put yourself out there and you make such statements, then you're going to have to deal with it if you don't end up being as great as you think you're going to be considering you've not played college basketball. So, but that's another guy that's going to be up there somewhere in the top 10. Then you start getting down to where the Bucks are uh, at the end of the first round uh, as far as what's going to be there for them. You know, you look at the different mock drafts, it's all over the place. I mean, it's not a lot of consistency as far as guys that are going to be there. You've got a couple of drafts that have them taking a center, which to me, again, makes a lot of good sense because you're going to need somebody to replace Brooke Lopez at some point. You don't have a quality backup center to Brooke Lopez. Uh, Lopez is going into the last year of his deal, so it would make all the sense in the world to draft a center this year to get ready to replace Brook Lopez after this year. Or maybe this opens up the opportunity for you to trade Brook Lopez if that's something that they deem they want to do uh, this summer. I would be shocked if they trade Brook Lopez because Bud loves Brook. Uh, but that would uh, allow that to open up. Then obviously, the other position of need, I think, for the Milwaukee Bucks right now is you need another wing player. Uh, another guy that can be a two or a three that can come off the bench uh, and spell Middleton, or if Middleton goes down with an injury, that can come in and give you some points. They really haven't had that backup wing player that can come in and really provide scoring uh, in quite some time right now, and they really need a young athletic wing that can D up a little bit, shoot the three a little bit, and get after it. With all due respect to Grayson Allen, I'm not sure he's the answer to anything at this point. So they they need to go find a 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", guy uh, that can kind of 
play behind Middleton and give him some quality minutes. AR, you want something? No, oh, I was gonna. You kind of took the question right out of my mouth. I was about to ask you if they do get one of those taller wing shooters. Is it bye bye Grayson? Because you got because uh, no. Pat's coming back because he's rooted in this area. He's not uh, going anywhere. Yeah, I, I would be more than willing to take offers on Pat Connaughton and ship Pat Connaughton off if if given the opportunity. But I agree with you. I don't think Pat Connaughton's going anywhere either. Um, but but I I don't think it affects Grayson Allen. I think it's more about they have nobody behind Middleton. Jordan Wara was supposed to be that guy that was supposed to fill that role, right? Uh, and Jordan Wara just never really got developed as much as we wanted Jordan Wara to be. Uh, last year. He just was never really that guy. And uh, when he did get the ball, he shot the hell out of it and didn't really pass the basketball all that well. Uh, Defensively, still question marks about him defensively. So that's why I think at this point, you have to start looking at that position and go, okay, maybe we have to go use a first-round pick on trying to get a replacement for Jordan Wara. And then, you know, if you want to move Wara this offseason or whatever you want to do with Jordan Wara, that's completely on you. But those would be the two areas... I think I would look at that that wing player, that two three guy that can come off the bench and give you some run, uh, and maybe it's a situation where you want an older player. Maybe it's a situation where uh, you want a, a guy that's that's played some ball. Now again, Johnny Davis, the Badgers, is never ever going to fall uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks, so that's that's not going to happen. But you want maybe a guy that's played you know three years in college or two or three years in college has some some grit to him a little bit more so than maybe Pat Baldwin uh, who, you know, played a year, but was hurt. Most of the year was hurt in high school uh, as well. Uh, You can draft that guy. I think at the end of the bottom of the first round, if you don't think that guy needs to contribute right away this year. So if the bucks plan going into the off season is to spend some more money and do whatever they have to do with the luxury tax or whatever the case may be. And this pick is not going to play that much. Anyhow, uh, then sure, then go ahead, draft that project. Uh, that 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 would make sense if they were to do it that way. I just think if I'm the Bucks, AR, this pick needs to play this year. Whoever yeah. I take in the first needs to play. Yeah, it is a really risky play, in my opinion. If you're a team, when especially in a market like Milwaukee, where this is the time. We're, we're not all going to be Golden State Warriors, a team that was nothing for 15 years and then suddenly is now the face of basketball around the world, it seems like. That is not guaranteed to places like Milwaukee or Memphis or OKC. The time is now. And taking a project with a very valuable pick, I was hearing, uh, and I was at my other job, so I didn't 100% get it, but Bart was saying this morning something how after this year, the Bucks are basically locked out of drafting in the first round for what was it until 2029 because of some wonky thing that is lined up again i didn't get all of it but it kind of blew me away and makes that furthers the point even more that this is a very important pick and if you're gonna spend it on a project it kind of feels a little bit like a waste you know that's the thing and there's a lot of people saying well why why bother um, taking a guy in the first round, just trade the pick, maybe get a veteran for it, and go go on from there. So I, I looked up uh, future picks for the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, since you brought it up, mm-hmm. so they have their own first round pick this year at twenty four, twenty twenty three. They have two second round picks, one they own their own, the other one from Cleveland or Golden State. No one. Twenty twenty four, they have a. One, two second round picks that year from Portland and then their own. No first round pick. 2025, um, they have a second round pick. 
uh, from Indiana, but they don't have their own. 2026 is not on here for some odd reason. Oh, they gave the first round pick. Um, no, they have a first round pick in 2026, uh, but New Orleans holds the right to swap the pick. Okay. So they will have a first round pick in 2026. So that would be the next first round pick they have after this year. But they don't even have full control over it. Right. The Pelicans can swap with them. Right. Uh, that's 2026. 2027, they have their own second round pick. They have no second round pick in 26. Own second round pick in 27. 2028, they have their own first round pick uh, as well and their own second round pick. So 2028 will be the next year where it's normal, where they have 1-1 and 1-2. Now, again, provided they don't trade that Mm -hmm. before we get to that point. But the next first round pick will be 2026 after this year. Still crazy to think. That's a four-year window. And you know how fast a team can go from a 60-win to a 20-win team? Less than four years. Yeah. No, no idea. I, I totally agree with you on that. Now, this is the one thing I don't understand here. Um, because this says that 2024, um, that the Pelicans can swap that year too. So maybe they have the ability to swap, um, in 24 and 26 as part of that deal. Are these uh, part of the Drew holiday deal? Yep. Okay. So they all the right to swap those picks, which means they're going to have a one in 24 too. So, uh, in 23, their one goes to Houston in 24, the right to swap with New Orleans, but they'll have one in 25. Their one goes to New Orleans or Portland in 26, the right to swap with New Orleans again. Uh, and then 27, uh, New Orleans gets their first round pick. So they'll have two more first round picks, 2022, 2024, 2026. Cause I don't believe the NBA allows you to trade back to back to back. They don't allow you to trade three consecutive ones in a that row. That sounds like what I heard this morning. That it's a rule. So they'll pick every. They'll have a first round pick every other year. So 22, 24, 26, uh, and then obviously in 28, they have their own first round pick uh, as it currently sits. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Chris Monter, College Basketball News. Get his thoughts on the NBA draft, what's going up on top, and what are the bucks in line for and who might be around at pick 24 as the draft's this week. So you would assume Chris Monder is tied in and hearing kind of where everybody's probably projected to go at this point. So we'll check in with him straight ahead. Plus, if you missed Doug Melvin earlier today on the Wendy's Big Show, shame, shame, shame. You never miss Doug Melvin when he goes on a radio show. That's just, that's horrible, 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 horrible. I will play Doug Melvin back from you. He gave us a nugget about Ron Renicki and Greg Council that I've never heard before. Uh, and it made my eyes light up, made Greg, Gary's lies, eyes light up. I texted Tim Allen right away, he, and his response was interesting. Uh, so stay tuned for that. That's coming up after Chris Monter. But first, some NBA mock draft talk with Chris Monter. Next, here on Sparky's Midday Madness, presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. It's coming up June 28th and 29th, the garage sale for the Milwaukee Admirals and Milwaukee Panther Arena. Go to MilwaukeeAdmirals.com to find out all the cool used uh, stuff that they're going to be, be going to be selling, plus some of their merchandise has been discounted as well. Coming up on the 28th and 29th, we're talking next week, early next week. Go to MilwaukeeAdmirals.com for more details. Spring's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals here on 1250 AM, The Fan. Live from the Lakeland University studios, offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Joining us now from Monter Draft News and, of course, college basketball news. Follow him on Twitter uh, at College BB News. He is Chris Monter. Chris, thanks for coming on. Sparky's Midday Madness, buddy. How are you doing? Yeah, great to be back with you. I hope you guys are surviving the heat. 
Yeah, it's hot here for sure. He joins us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, does Chris Monster. Uh, okay, so first things first, I, I guess I'm 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 kind of interested in hearing from you is what is going on with Orlando at one? I, I mean, I, I know pretty much the whole front office. I'm just trying to figure out, like, are they going to make that pick or are they kind of sending out signs that they're open for business at this point? Yeah, I think they're open for business. The question is, is this a draft where that number one pick is going to be a LeBron James, a Dwight Howard, you know, a, a surefire, Tim Duncan, David Robinson, a surefire standout. And I think the feeling is it's a good draft, a very deep draft. I think there are going to be a lot of players in the second half of the first round who I think will have long NBA careers. But there maybe isn't that one, you know, surefire all-star. So the question is, in a draft like that, how many teams are really willing to trade up to that number one pick? But you're right. That I think it's the the interesting pick in this draft because, you know, the main names mentioned are Jabari Smith out of uh, LSU. His father played in the NBA, so he's got great bloodlines, very good shooter at 6'10", can shoot the ball extremely well. The other option would be Chet Holmgren, a player I'm very familiar with being a Minnesota native. Uh, he played high school b- basketball and are very good friends with Jalen Suggs. If you're a Orlando Magic fan, right. you know the history of that franchise. You yeah. had, you know, players like Shaquille O'Neal leave after a while, uh, after a few years. You had Dwight Howard leave before his prime, really. So if you draft Chet Holmgren to go along with Jalen Suggs, does that maybe help help you keep those two players together for a long time? So definitely, I think they're going to listen to offers. But again, I'm not sure there's a player in this draft that anybody wants to move up. To, to get as the number one pick. Having said that, though, I mean, if you look at these top three, Jabari Smith, Chad Holmgren, like you said, uh, and Paolo, and then after that, I think the whole draft kind of all depends on what happens at fourth Sacramento. They keep the pick, make the pick, and even if they make the pick, you know, a lot of people think uh, it's going to be Jaden Ivey, but they just took Davion Mitchell last year. They got De'Aaron Fox, so to me, that doesn't make much sense unless they're going to move on um, from Davian Mitchell here at some point. Keegan Murray is, a, is a, uh, another potential kid that could go there. Uh, Shaden Sharp talking about he's going to be a Hall of Famer and all this other nonsense uh, over the weekend. We'll have all eyes on him, too. I think that's kind of where the draft really can go. I don't know if I say sideways, but it, we're going to figure out where the draft is going at four. Yeah, definitely. And Sacramento's a team that, you know, eventually you have to win. They haven't done that. They haven't been in the playoffs forever. Uh, they're a team that struggled forever and then had that run. Uh, in the 90s, you know, with, with players like Peggy Stoyakovic, Mike Bibby, et cetera, Jason Williams, but Chris Weber, but haven't really been relevant forever. Uh, I know Minnesota fans, where I base out of, especially with Steph Curry doing so well in the finals, people always will bring up the fact that they passed on Steph Curry twice, with picking Ricky Ruby on John, Johnny Flynn. But you look at Sacramento, they passed on Curry that year, took Tariq Evans. The next year, they took Jimmer Fredette instead of Clay Thompson. So if you're a Sacramento fan, you think, geez, things could be a lot different for us as well. But you're right. This is a draft where they have to do well. Unfortunately, Sacramento, like you said, they've had some good players they drafted, but they never are in that top three. So they never really get that program turner kind of guy. You know, Fox, like you mentioned, Mitchell, I thought was a nice pick, but they really need to get you know, that top echelon talent. And they're another team that's been mentioned a lot with possibly trading that pick to kind of get more of a veteran-type player. Do tell me about Shaden Sharp, the guy that didn't play uh, at Kentucky, who now over the weekend is talking about winning Rookie of the Year, being an MVP, and being a Hall of Famer, uh, which is all fine and dandy. But uh, as I said earlier in the show, I remember when Terrell Buckley was drafted, started talking about being the next Jim Thorpe. That didn't work out. Uh, And Packer fans never let him forget it. Uh, being that bold and brash and confident is one thing. Putting it out there for everybody to hear now, whoever drafts you, that quote now is going to be on his backside for the remainder of his career, whatever team drafts him. 
Yeah, definitely. I'm always a fan of the. I'd rather keep it quiet how good I am until I get on the floor and, right. and prove it that way, you know. But you're right. Some kids want to do that, want to get their name out. He's a player. You know, to be honest, a lot of people don't really know because he was projected to be the top high school player in the class of 2022. He decided to reclassify. Uh-oh, we lost Chris. Uh-oh. All right, we'll put him on hold. Uh, and let's see if we can get Chris Monter connected again uh, on the line. And it's it's funny because you you talk about um, Sharp, uh, and he told Yahoo that he worked out for the Thunder, the Magic, Trailblazers, Hornets, Spurs, and has his last workout before the draft with the Pacers today. That is a wide uh, net uh, that uh, he has decided to work out for. And the fact that the Magic, Magic are working him out when they have one overall tells me that the Magic, I think, would be uh, considering possibly moving down. You know, and that's the one thing we were talking about with Sacramento earlier is, you know, would Sacramento, you know, try to make a splashy move to try and get their names uh, in the headlines if they love Jabari Smith or if they love uh, Chet Holmgren at this point? Maybe that's a deal where they go up, they move a Mitchell, or well, Mitchell wouldn't make much sense. They got sucks. But either way, maybe they do something uh, to try to move up further in the draft. Otherwise, I don't know why Sharp is working out for Orlando. Like, there's no way Orlando's taking Sharp at one. Now, the Indiana connection with Shaden Sharp, that makes sense. That's been talked about. Him and Halliburton uh, in the backcourt would make a lot of sense. All right. Sorry, Chris. We lost you. Go ahead. Yeah, no problem. That was probably the best point I've ever actually made in my 20-plus years of radio. So, so unfortunately, you missed that. That's how it happens. Uh, but you're right. You're right. But Sharp, yeah, is a very intriguing prospect. Because like you said, you haven't really seen him. He's talking brash. You know, he's got a lot of lot of ability. But, you know, again, there are some question marks just because you haven't really seen him in a game. But, you know, again, like I said, if he had played a, a handful of games, maybe you're talking about a player who'd be in that top three or top four. So, again, if you're getting him a little bit outside that top three, maybe you feel like you're getting a bargain because he has so much ability and talent. All right, let's talk about that Bucks pick uh, at 24, some of the guys uh, that are probably going to be there. Now, I said earlier that I think it's a center would make sense, but there's not a lot of those. Uh, and I saw uh, one person suggesting Walker Kessler, uh, possibly the sophomore from Auburn. How do you think he fits into what the Bucks are trying to do? Yeah, he would definitely give him a shot blocker. Obviously, Lopez, you know, getting a little bit older, not quite the same player. You know, Lopez has really changed his game throughout his career, became a very good, effective three-point shooter, but still can be a defensive presence. You know, Kessler was probably one of the best shot blockers in the country this year. Started his career at North Carolina, didn't get a ton of playing time, decided he wanted to transfer. One of the reasons Auburn was a very tough defensive team, you know, averaged almost five shot blocks a game. Not a super great athlete, but can be a defensive presence. So you're right. I, I think if you're getting him with, you know, a late first round pick, you know, he's got to be in the mix. But you know, I think this, like I said, a very deep draft where I feel a team like Milwaukee drafting 24 can get a quality player. Maybe not a player who's going to step in immediately, but a player that can be a, you know, a top eight type player and can maybe emerge down the road. What about a guy like Ty Ty Washington, the freshman from Kentucky? If he were to get to 24 for the Bucks, I don't think he will. But if he were to get there, 6'3 kid that you know played off the ball, also showed the ability to handle the ball, uh, be patient, uh, and, and make the right plays, that might be somebody that would be intriguing for the Bucks to kind of put behind Drew Holiday and maybe kind of groom him to be the, the guy behind Holiday versus playing old dudes like George Hill. 
Yeah, I definitely like Ty Ty. Like you said, a, a very athletic player, great passer, great court vision. Was originally going to be a Creighton signee. I happen to know the Creighton coaches pretty well. They were super excited when they thought they had him. And then, of course, he decided to reopen his uh, recruitment, ended up going to Kentucky and being a one and done there. But you're right, I think he'd be a, a steal at that that area for for the box. And like you said, wouldn't have to step in immediately, could learn from you know a veteran backcourt of Hall. Holiday and Middleton, so I think that'd be a great situation. But you're right. The, the question is, would he still be available at that late of a pick? But again, I think there are some quality point guards uh, later in the, that first part, first part of the uh, draft there. And again, I think watching would make a lot of sense if he's on the board. I, I need you to help sell me on somebody because I know Bucks fans. Uh, there are some Bucks fans that are really hot for this dude, and mainly because obviously they watched him play the Badgers um, in the Big Ten. Ohio State's EJ Liddell. I, I don't. I mean, I just don't know, man. I mean, I, I know we've had undersized power forwards work in the NBA. Um, sell me on what he does at the next level. Yeah, he's another uh, player being mentioned in Minnesota with a number 19 pick. So he definitely figures going that, I'd say, 17 to 26 type range. Can shoot the ball, can do a lot of things on the court. You're right, a little bit undersized. But again, the NBA becoming more and more of a positionless game. So I don't think that's as big of a factor maybe as it would have been. You know, Illinois standout, had a great high school career there. Uh, had a very good season, obviously, in the, uh, in the Big Ten the last couple of years. Killed Minnesota when they were here. Uh, this past year at a game I was at. So I think he would be a, a, a good player. But again, I think he might actually go a little bit ahead of there. But if he's available at 24, you know, he's a player who played a few years of basketball. I think that's one thing, you know, everybody's so excited about the one and dones. And, you know, I know players are always thinking about what about that second contract when you really make the money. But sometimes you look, a lot of those players who are young end up spending a lot of time in the G League and never even get that second contract. I think a player like Liddell, Maybe his ceiling isn't quite as high, but because of playing, you know, 100 games the last few years at, at in the Big Ten level at Ohio State, I think he's going to maybe be more ready to step in, and I think he'll actually have better numbers than, than a lot of players picked ahead of him, to be honest. Chris Monter, I got one more for you. If you were given your druthers, maybe maybe you'll say it doesn't really matter, G League or college basketball player, do you prefer one over the other if they're on the, if they're on the same level as far as talent? I mean, I... I I can look at it both ways. I think that's one of my strengths is looking at things from both views. I mean, I, I would be hard-pressed to want to pass on college basketball. You know, I'm a huge college basketball and pro basketball fan. Uh, I can't imagine one year, and a lot of the kids don't even go the full year. Once they know they're going to go in the draft, they're pretty much focused on that, starting as soon as their season's done. And, again, I think now with the NIL, if you're going to a big-time school, you know, look at, you know, uh, uh, Several of the players I've heard, you know, the players going to Miami, a Kansas State transfer got four hundred thousand dollars. You're not even making that in the G League. Right. And I look at the NBA. You look at you know players like Zion Williamson. He was a player who actually made Duke likable, which I've never heard of anybody I know that unless they're a Duke original fan or a bandwagon jump jumper. Most people hate Duke, but Zion yep. Williamson was a super popular player. So I look at other players who've been able to do that, or even this past year, Jalen Green. You know, it was a very high pick second pick overall. No one really knew who he was. But, you know, some of those players who have played, you know, especially national big games, played in the NCAA tournament, I think are going to be more well-known. Obviously, you're going to have three players from the G League go in the first round this year. We've seen players have success. But I feel like college, even just getting away from home, you know, the things even away from the basketball court, I think are hopefully going to make you a better person and better player. 
I have probably enjoyed the college, but I'm not going to begrudge a kid who thinks the G League is the right way for him. Because it definitely looks like there's going to be a, probably a, one or two G League guys down there for the Bucks at that pick at 24 that they may have their choice of uh, and would have to make that determination at that point. Follow Chris Monster College Basketball News, Monitor Draft News at College BB News. Again, at College BB News on Twitter. Chris, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Great talking again. Hope you have a great day. You too. Take care. There he is, Chris Monter, the Great Midwest Bank hotline of applying for a home renovation loan as you're feeling anxious. Breathe. Let Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. Fan Afternoon Show comes up in one half hour with Toby Altizer. He's your host for the week. Uh, so we'll talk to Toby coming up in a little bit. But next, if you missed Doug Melvin from earlier today, you'll hear from him. He was so good, as always. Straight ahead here on Sparky's Midday Madness. Sparky's Midday Man is presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Their garage sale comes up June 28th and June 29th next week. Make your plans now to make sure you are there for that. 28th, season ticket holders and such. 29th, open to the general public. We're talking about used sticks, used jerseys, whole deal, plus discounted merchandise from the pro shop that you guys got to see at Milwaukee Panther Arena. That, again, 28th and 29th. Go to milwaukeeadmirals.com for more information on that one. Again, milwaukeeadmirals.com. All right, so we had Doug Melvin on uh, earlier uh, today on the Wendy's Big Show, back in the first hour of the show. Now the uh, special assistant to the president of baseball operations is Doug Melvin's title. Uh, of course, former Brewers president and GM. And we reached out uh, at the end of last week to get Doug Melvin on for this week uh, after Craig Council became the winningest manager in Brewers history because Doug Melvin had Craig Council as a player. Uh, Doug Melvin had Craig Council in the front office with him. And then Doug Melvin was the guy that made the decision to make Craig Council the manager uh, and move on from Ron Renicky. So we got to talking to Doug Melvin about how that whole thing kind of played out from when he had him as a player all the way up and through to naming him as a manager. You know, Craig has always been a very popular player with his teammates and everything. And I remember that year, last year of playing that I think he hit about 150 or something and really struggled and had an over. 25 or something but you know sometimes you'd think about releasing a guy but at that point Craig was such an impact on the club in the clubhouse even though his performance wasn't you know at peak level um everybody recognized that but you know when he was done playing he he came to me and he said he wanted to make a have an impact on an organization and I asked him what what is it that he wants to do and uh, I said, well, Craig, there's only three three positions you can have an impact on a baseball organization. If you got enough money to buy the team from Mark, you can do that one. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that wasn't going to work. I said, are you going to be a manager or a general manager? And uh, yeah, I don't think he was quite sure which way he wanted to go as, uh, at that time. So he came in the front office for a, a year, year and a half, and he, he had an impact on the front office with us. He was We sent him out. He was out scouting with our scouts and Zach Manassian and is part of acquiring Gene Segura trade. He had a, a lot of imp- input on that. Uh, you know, just front office bringing. He was bringing what he felt uh, was in the clubhouse to the front office, and we were helping him out to know what the, how, how the front office works. But you know, after that, after um, you know the 2015 season that we were in first place, 150 games, there was a thought of maybe you know letting Ron Renicky go. Uh, letting Craig do the job as a manager, but he wasn't, he said he just wasn't ready at that time. He didn't want to do it. The next year we got off to a rough start and I went to him again and he was ready to take over the club at that point. And, but he, he ended up saying, I, I belong in. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Uniform. And I told him, I said, you could come to the office and wear your uniform. It'd look a little silly. But <laughs> I, said, I, I said, I agree with you. I think that's the position for you and for your future. I think you can have an impact on an organization. Did you ever think, though, Doug, this is Gary Ellison, by the way, that, yep, that yep, it will sure. be where we are now. I mean, it, it's lasted for a while. Um, Phil Garner held that record as the most wins by uh, a Brewer manager, and now he has since broken it. Do you, did you think that he would have this amount of success? I thought that Craig would be successful whatever he did. He, he has a player. He had success. Uh, he went through a lot of being released on waivers. He's gone through everything. But as a manager, um, I thought he would have success. I think he and David have worked very well together. I think that's a key part of it. You know, I, I, I told Craig the other day when I called him and congratulated him, I said, I wished I had had a couple more years to work with him. I would have I liked that, but I was ready to transition. I had, I, I was at the point I needed to transition out of the position. And I think what's helped is David and Craig have a relationship that's working. And that's important. The manager and GM have to work really well together. And that's helped. And, you know, he knew some of the players. The part is he, he went in knowing some of the players that were there. And he did know there was a little bit of a slight, you know, rebuild uh, when trading some of the veteran guys to, to get back. But I, I always felt Craig would have success in that. But it is hard, Gary, to go out there and, and do this year after year after year, sustain success. That's always been the biggest challenge for the Brewers. And, uh, you know, markets like ours and myself as a general manager and struggle sometimes to sustain success. You can win a year or two, but to do that year after year after year, 
it's, uh, it's quite a challenge, and when you are able to do that, it's uh, successful. Talking with Doug Melvin, former, of course, uh, Brewers president and general manager, now special assistant to the president of baseball operations here on the Wendy's Big Show. When we talk about Craig Council uh, and the analytics part of it, you know, he talked about when he spent that time in the front office, that's kind of when he really got up to speed on the analytics part. Uh, and then you make the move to bring in David Stearns, who is analytics nerd, um, uh, on top of everything else, and, and match him up with Craig Council, old school type player. Talk about how that marriage worked out and all that legwork in the front office that counts did learning analytics and how that probably helped their relationship. Yeah, well, I think that uh, Craig uh, bought into some of the analytics. I, you know, I'm I'm not so sure he buys into everything, but I think that's what makes a su- successful organization is having a good balance. I I don't think that I think Craig can relate to everything that's been on the field over his career and. Um, you know, certain players can grasp the analytics. Some of them can't, but you've got to have someone in charge that's going to say, we got to trust it. And I think David and Craig and sit down and the rest of the front office and Craig, Craig can be blunt at times. He'll stand up and say, I don't think this is going to work, you know? And, you know, there's certain things that will work and certain things that don't work. But I think that uh, how David and Craig work well together is they do have these conversations and, and they both bring uh, a certain talent together and you got to have a good balance. I don't think you can be 80% old school, 20% analytics or vice versa, 80% analytics. I think there's got to be a good balance and there has to be a good understanding and that you got to challenge uh, each side too. And why, why do you think this works? You know, and you got to be able to have those kind of conversations amongst yourselves. And I think they, they do that. I'm not involved in those aspects, but I go to spring training and I can see the conversations. I can hear the coaches. I go in the coach's room and they're all working at different things that they didn't work at when I, when I was there, they're, they're working at new things, new, uh, uh, studies, analytics, discussions, and that and that's what makes a difference. But I think it's the balance, and I think David and Craig both bring a good balance to the front office. I think it's though very difficult though to be a manager though with the Milwaukee Brewers, only because I think Major League Baseball makes it difficult because of the salaries that you can pay the players. But with that being said, I think they've done a great job. I and mean, you think about it, Doug. I mean, you go from like Prince Fielder to Ryan Braun, and then from Ryan Braun to Grandal Moustakis, and then you go from Braun to Yelich, and now you're in a Yelich to Willie I mean, you look at over the last 10 years, I think the club may have changed over like maybe three times with different players. And, it's, and right now we're in, a, in an era where it's really about pitching and really less about the hitting like it used to be with the Brewers. Right. Yeah. And it, you know, they're pitching, you know, Brandon Woodruff, Devin Williams, those were players that were a uh, Bruce Sider, scouting director passed away that he'd love to be able to uh, be around to be able to see those kids. Cause he drafted them and, you know, Tyrone Taylor, and there's still some players, uh, Suter, uh, coming from the system and that, and, you know, today's game though, Gary is, uh, and I think it's maybe with other sports too, but baseball, the front offices today, they shuffle players in and out way more than what we used to do. And we would we would have a season like the 2011 season. I think we maybe used 40 players and 41, 42 players all year. And today every team uses 65 players and players are shuffled in, shuffled out. And uh, that's where the game has changed quite a bit. 
in that regard. But yeah, it is tough in Milwaukee because the the chances of keeping that free agent for a talented player, unless you get them signed early, like we did with Braun, um, now Yelich is signed uh, at a young age too. But unless you sign those players early, they're very difficult to keep the players around because once they get closer to free agency um, and they got some, they got some uh, green in their pocket. Then uh, the challenge, the challenge is much tougher in that point. But um, you know, from a standpoint of the market that we're in and having no salary cap in baseball, I'm I'm very disappointed in the in the game today where there's too many teams that don't look like they're really trying. Uh, that disappoints me because there's only 30 teams and uh, it's a special club and every. If, if your owner's a ball club, you should be trying and trying your best because there's only 30 of them. And I think the, they're, they're, they should be given a message if they're not. But that's the part that disappoints me today. And uh, I'm glad that Mark Atanasio uh, steps up and tries the best that he can do. And in uh, our front office does and the, the team does and the fans uh, appreciate that too. And, you know, we're also very thankful of you. I think, you know, because of, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, you know, the radio guys, we try to do and try to keep it fresh and, and you know, do something different. So we started talking about Mount Rushmore of Brewers baseball. And, and so we had people call in for for this thing. And so and so on my Mount Rushmore for Brewers baseball was Molitor, Yonk, Bud Selig, and Doug Melvin. Doug, I don't think you probably, and I'm sure you realize this, but, but Doug, if you look at the Brewers right now, I feel like your fingerprints are all over what the Brewers have been able to do. And that is, if you look at Stearns, there's no Stearns probably without you. There's no, certainly no Craig Council uh, without you being there. When you were sitting in that chair as a general manager, what was your thoughts as far as seeing far out the future for the Milwaukee Brewers? Well, you know, I'd, I'd like to think uh, uh, that when I transitioned out, that the people we had there had left at least some pretty good players, uh, you know, for for David in the front office and and Craig to have. You know, and there's still guys like the Hater, the House. That trade, I, I'm really proud of that trade that the scouts helped me make at the the Gomez for Hater and Hauser trade and. And the Brett Phillips and Brett, you can take Brett Phillips, uh, you know, helped get Moustakas for the year and, uh, and, and that. And then you go down and the players will, you know, you see these kind of players that uh, have helped the organization. But the thing is that left the club, I think, in pretty good shape. There were good players to trade, uh, you know, Segura, uh, LaCroix, Chris Davis. Uh, there were some good players that were there to, to trade. It wasn't just totally empty. And I think that's where I would have felt awful if, the, the the farm system was totally bare. Uh, there weren't any players to trade, and I would have felt bad about that. And I think we left the, in a very good position, and I give credit for David and them to basically move forward and not mess it up and continue uh, winning ways in that. But um, that that's when I transitioned out after 20 years as a GM and 48 years in the game. I, I just felt that Milwaukee baseball, I, I hope that we had an impact by – you know, getting that first year. I remember when we get to 500, it was a, a chore just to get to 500 and then try to bring winning baseball and entertaining baseball to the fans and and that. And uh, I think it's continued. I think if you look around uh, um, in baseball and you ask other organizations, I think they're 
envious of what the brewers have done and what they continue to do. And you look at the market size and you look at the number of fans that go there. And I, some of these other teams are 12, 15,000 people showing up. Well, that's because their teams aren't very entertaining and they're not liking their teams. But um, I just always always think Milwaukee is a, is a fun market. I remember when I took the job, I had a couple of general managers. Why the heck would you want that job? <laughs> and I said, I said, uh, well, I said, I, I liked the challenge of it at the time with hadn't won in 25 years. And I was in the same situation in Texas. They hadn't won in 25 years. And I find that very challenging to, to take an organization and, and build it up. And uh, my the biggest disappointment was not to be able to sustain it with three, four, wins like they have now and that was my biggest disappointment but if you look at the bucks what they've done and they got the the Giannis over there and they continue to do it so milwaukee's a great sports city that people uh you know really don't understand until you're there working for them doug we only got three minutes left um so yep. i'm gonna ask you this how how do you determine when you are going to uh, empty out the farm system, maybe like you did for the Grinky trade, in order to kind of push all chips in and go. Yeah, these guys may pan out, but we got to go for it right now. We're in that situation because I think a lot of Brewer fans right now are kind of feeling that way in the next couple of years, knowing that probably Woodruff and Burns they probably won't be able to sign both of them when they get to free agency. <clears throat> right. No, you just have to uh, you have to trust the fact that you are going to have some players coming in the next future of uh, flow of players in a draft and that. But no, you, you get a you get a sense and a feel. Say I got to go for it, you know, because you do uh, have an understanding of all your players on your current roster. Like you said, Burns, Woodruff, you know, David and uh, Mark and Craig and them. They'll have an understanding of what their futures hold. And uh, any of the younger players, um, you know, Willie Adamas and all that. They got some good young talent, uh, Urias and. You know, do they try to sign them to long terms or do they say, OK, this is a window, an opportunity that we can go out there and we're playing good baseball. But if you look at it's just a feel like the Atlanta Braves last year at the All-Star break or I mean, at the trade deadline were three games under 500 and they won the World Series. They went out and got uh, three outfielders and they won the World Series being three games under 500 at the deadline. So. You have those conversations, and it, it's, it comes back to a gut feeling. I don't think there's any analytical formula that can measure, outmeasure a gut feel for the game, whether you, you played the game uh, you know, in the front office. I just don't think there's an analytical formula. It's just how you feel about it, and let's go. And uh, I think that's how I felt with the Grinky, Markham, when I, with that year that we did that. Let's, let's go. This is an opportunity. We're not going to have Prince Fielder for – and these players for a long period of time, and we get we got an opportunity, a short window, so let's go for it. So that's all. That's the fun part of the game. That's where that's those are the decision making processes that I miss. There he is, Doug Melvin, a special assistant to the president of baseball operations for the Milwaukee Brewers, former president and GM of the Milwaukee Brewers. Just always great talking to him. And we were uh, talking uh, at the end of the Wendy's Big Show, I think it was about the fact that it'd be great to have him in studio for like four hours just talking about uh, just his career and everything that's come uh, through Milwaukee and so forth. Uh, Adam McKelvey tweeted this out, uh, comparing Brewers and Cardinals. That series gets underway tonight. Gene Wagner Plumbing Baseball postgame show. After the last pitch, you make the switch to Tim Allen tonight, like you've done for 17 years. Cardinals 12-4 and against the Reds and Pirates this year. Brewers 13-2 and 
Cardinals 26 and 26 versus the rest of Major League Baseball. Brewers 25 and 28 versus the rest of Major League Baseball. So very, very similar numbers uh, for the Brewers and Cardinals. Coming up next, Toby Altizer is here. We'll get his thoughts on what's coming up on the Fan Afternoon Show next here on 1250 AM, The Fan. Sparks Midday Madness on 1250 AM, The Fan, presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Toby Altizer here. He is the host of the Fan Afternoon Show this week. Uh, and then next week, Kevin Holden uh, Love will Kevin be the Holden. host next week. What a great guy. And we're just going to rotate different people in for weeks at a time. Uh, and eventually we'll settle on somebody, maybe. Or maybe we'll just continue to rotate hosts <laughs> forever and just never really give you anybody in that time slot ever again. And every week will be a new, fresh experience with a new, fresh host. And maybe that's just that how sounds like a fun is. idea. Maybe that's just how it's going to be going forward, right? And you're you're not going to have the same thing every week. You're like, oh, okay, this guy's on this week. Okay, this girl's on this week. And something different. Not sure it's ever been done in the market. Uh, I'm not saying we're going to do that, but we'll see how this sounds goes. fun. We'll see what happens. Uh, okay, Toby Altazer, what do you got coming? up on your fan afternoon show today i want to recap my weekend so i'll let you know what all happened there i'm sure people saw my tweet or whatever but i was out in michigan so we'll talk a little bit about that and then after that brewers 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 talk about lorenzo kane obviously big news over the weekend i'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the u.s open at some point in there as well and then Tim Allen joins the show at 4.30, so even more Brewers, of course, with Tim. Do some draft mockery, baseball-related draft mockery. Want to look back at that Brewers and Red series, and then big, big series, four-game set coming up against the Cardinals starting tonight. So I want to get you guys prepared for that. A lot of Brewers stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff going on with them right now. So I want to dive in and talk about some of the different players, talk about some of the different things going into this series because, you know, I was listening to Katie Wu with you guys on the big show, Doug Melvin, a lot of Brewers talk, and I thought yep. there was some good stuff there. And so we'll, we'll discuss all those different things and the storylines going into this series because I'm excited about that. I'm excited when the Blue Jays come to town and see what they look like against the Blue Jays. And I want to, I kind of want to go. the Rays to, after that, they got to play the Rays after I, that. I want to go to one of the games in that Blue Jays series. Oh, yeah. I think Friday night, Manoa is supposed to be on the mound for the and Blue Jays. And you get the City Connectors. Yeah, I want to. I, I still don't know how I feel about those. Do you like those? Um, I'm impartial. I don't. I asked uh, the kid, the freshman, and he likes the four one four MKE thing. Oh, see, I don't like that. Um, he likes it. He goes, but the way they did it doesn't make much sense. The like the way they did the graphics or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's not quite understanding that. But he likes the MKE and he likes the 414. He just doesn't like the way they use the graphic. Sure, or sure. Or the writing of it or whatever. I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure it'll sell like hotcakes. I'm sure a ton of people will buy it and I thought you'll see it everywhere. The best logo is the one with the baseball and the grill. Oh, yes, on the sleeve. Yeah, zero question that's the best logo. Somebody tweeted out that they should make that a hat and they'd sell a ton of them. I agree. Yeah, I mean, they have it on some T-shirts. I think I'm going to yeah. have to get one of those at some point. There's nothing more Milwaukee Brewers than tailgating. Tailgating, absolutely. No so I'm excited to check that out. But big stretch coming up for the Brewers, yep. and I'm excited to see exactly what they're able to do in this stretch because, you know, we were down on them. Now they're winning some games, but is it just because it's the Reds? You know, th- those sort of things. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. I, I love watching this Brewers team. I think Tim and I have probably been – some of the people that have been the highest on this Brewers team. And I I think they're still going to be right there and give some Brewers fans some hope. Hopefully they can get it going right now and turn this thing around and get rolling in the NL Central because this is a chance right here. I'm going to sidetrack this before your show because you're the golf guy, and I'd like to get your thoughts. 
Yeah. So Jay Monahan came out, uh, Monahan, however you say his name, okay. came out, went after the PGA Tour yet again, like he always does on CBS. Okay, fine. Greg Norman uh, was on Fox News, and he said, look, I'm disappointed people go down that path, quite honestly. If they want to look at it in a prism, then why does the PGA Tour have 23 sponsors doing 40-plus billion worth of business with Saudi Arabia? Why is it okay for the sponsors? Well, Jay uh, Monahan, how do you say his name? Is it Monahan? No, Monahan, yeah. yeah. Well, Jay Monahan, go to each and every one of those CEOs of the 23 companies that are investing into Saudi Arabia and suspend them and ban them. The hypocrisy in all of this, it's so loud, it's deafening, uh, says our guy Greg Norman. Yeah, that's interesting, and I've heard that approach from multiple sides, and golf writers have kind of talked about it. I'm sick of this being a story, to be honest with you, Sparky. Well, now, now he's going to, Greg Norman's going to try and get a part of the world yeah. uh, golf tour yeah. rankings. Yeah. And they've already said they're going to allow they're gonna allow mm-hmm. them into their events. Yeah, that's the real problem Which really right makes here. the PGA mad, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm kind of sick of this being a story, to be honest. I think the PGA, and they're playing too much into it, in my opinion. Like, you saw the other day they tweeted something out about, uh, on their PGA Tour Communications Twitter about the money that I think Scotty Scheffler's made this year, and they're talking about how they raised the FedEx Cup purse by like $3 million. It's like, stop doing all this stuff. You look at any golf writer, and every single thing about this U.S. Open is a backhanded comment about the Live Tour. I'm like, right. can we just look at these things objectively as different things? You know, we can have these discussions, but when it's a good tournament like this U.S. Open was, let's talk about the U.S. Open. We don't need to bring the Live Tour into it. I, I can't stand how they can't but see, that's just it, differentiate it. That's the thing. That, you all would have made this tour th- this better? is if you would have had Phil or Dustin Johnson there at the end battling with that dude. And then, now you got something on Sunday Mm -hmm. because now everybody's tweeting about everything else. There were still people tweeting about it, but it wasn't at the same uproar. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 